This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner. We have had quite a week as we've been studying Christmas, the rest of the story. And as you can see on the screen behind me, today we're going to be talking about the holy moment that took place in that cave when Jesus was born nearly 2,000 years ago. All of this teaching is in my brand new series, which is called Christmas, the rest of the story. The subtitle says, Amazing Insights About Christmas You've Never Heard Before. Have you been hearing things you've never heard before? Well, my friends, we have really worked just to put a banquet of revelation on the table in front of you, but all of it is in this brand new series, which comes with such a great study guide. The study guide is just filled with all of this information. You'll love it because you'll be able to read it while you're listening or while you're seeing the series. And we're also offering you right now my book by the same title. I really want you to have this book and please order several because this is definitely a gift you're going to want to give to your friends and to your family. Christmas, the rest of the story. The back of the book says there's more to this story than you've been told. When I discovered all of these details that I had never heard, I was thrilled and for years, I've been teaching it to our own family and to our grandchildren, and now we've put it all in this book, which is marvelously illustrated. Every page is full color. This book is such a treasure, and I want you to get it. And by the way, you can order all of these things by going online or by giving us a call right now. And when you reach out to us, please let us know how to pray for you. We're praying, people, and we want to get into agreement with you. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of you, will agree as touching anything, I'll do it. We'll get into agreement with you and Jesus will do his part, he'll do it. But we need to get into agreement and we do that when we know how to pray. So reach out to us by calling right now or by sending an email to us and we'll begin to pray with you. But hey, I want you to watch this and then I'll be right back. The holiday season always brings about fond memories and cherished traditions. For many, one of those cherished traditions is the reading of the Christmas story. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, your family can uncover the beautiful details of the nativity story you have never heard. When I was growing up, I heard the same Christmas story year after year, and I loved it. When I got older, I found treasures in the Christmas story that no one had shared with me. That's what is in this book, and I wrote it to share with you and for you to share with those whom you love. Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, the rest of the story, invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across decorated pages in a coffee table size format. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you'll receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. Christmas is a special time when you can pass your faith on to your children and grandchildren. With this engaging new book, you can reinforce the true meaning of Christmas, Jesus, the Savior of the world. With magnificent illustrations across nearly 300 pages, your family will create a special tradition that will last for generations. 
great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions, pre-order the book Christmas, The Rest of the Story for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. Welcome back to the program. On Monday, we covered a miraculous place in Bethlehem where all of these events took place. On Tuesday, we covered the subject, why did God choose Mary? On Wednesday, we answered the question, why did God choose Joseph? Yesterday, we looked at the questions, what are swaddling clothes and what is a manger? And today, we're going to finish the week by looking at that holy moment when all of this occurred in that cave in Bethlehem so long ago. And we're going to begin in John chapter 3, verse 19, where the Bible says, light came into the world. Say amen. This explains why Origen, the great theologian and great scholar in the year 248 AD wrote these words. At Bethlehem is the cave where people first saw the light. It took place in that cave in Bethlehem, which was used as a stable or as a barn. But over the past 2,000 years, the church of the nativity and that cave, which is underneath it, have undergone many, many modifications. But this miracle, the incarnation, really took place there that day 2,000 years ago. And for 2,000 years, believers have been celebrating the birth of Jesus when God Almighty slayed aside His glory to appear temporarily on earth as a man. How wonderful, how marvelous it is to think that God momentarily discarded His divine outward attributes to appear as a man. And that is what occurred when Jesus was born in that cave. Wow. This is called the miracle of the incarnation, a word which describes the mystery of when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, which is what we read in John chapter 1, verse 14. But the early church father, Irenaeus, used the Greek word karkousthai to describe that divine moment. And this word was also used by the council of Nicaea, to describe the Word becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Early church father Jerome and Ambrose later used the Latin word incarnatio to describe that moment when the Word became incarnate or when the Word was made flesh. And since that time, it's been referred to as the incarnation. But from their time until ours, this word incarnation is used to depict the moment when God became flesh when God assumed a human nature and became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God. And the foundational Christian doctrine holds that the divine nature of the Son of God was perfectly united with human nature in one person, and Jesus was both fully God and fully human. The incarnation is that moment when God took upon Himself the physical form of human likeness, that is the miracle of Christmas. That's what it's all about. When Jesus was born, this unprecedented miracle took place. And it's amazing to me that as animals moved about in that cave, they were totally unaware that the Creator 
had been born among them. <laughs> the space was filled with noisy sounds and perhaps even with other travelers who were staying there because they too could find no room in the inn. And as the animals and the others were mauling around, making all kinds of noise, suddenly they could hear the sounds of a little baby crying and they had no idea that God had entered their world in that cave in the form of a small child. That truly is the miracle that took place in that holy, holy moment. But in John 1, 1, the Bible tells us about Jesus in his preexistence before he came to the earth. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word word is used three times in this verse, and each time that it's used, it's a reference to Christ in his pre-incarnate existence. And in fact, John writes, the word was with God. The Greek actually says proston theon. It means the word was face to face with God. It portrays the picture of Jesus and the Father so close to each other, they can nearly feel each other's breath breathing upon each other's face. It really shows us intimacy among members of the Godhead. And it tells us that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was not his beginning. It was simply his manifestation. Furthermore, it tells us that Jesus is not just a mere component of God or a symbol of God, but in fact, Jesus is God. Some people feel it's blasphemous to say that, but that's really the truth. Jesus is God. You should simply say, Jesus is God. And like the Father always existed, Jesus, who is called the Word, always existed. And this is why John 1, 3 continues to say, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made, which means Jesus is not only God, Jesus is the creator. All things were made by him. That is amazing. The apostle Paul repeated this truth in Colossians 1 verse 16 when he wrote, for by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him, which means Jesus is God and Jesus is the creator. But it is amazing that John 1.11 says he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. That means when Jesus came into the very world which he created, the people he created did not recognize him due to the fact that he appeared in such human form. What makes this more even amazing to me is that when Jesus spoke to the wind, the wind recognized the voice of the Creator and obeyed. The wind knew who He was. When Jesus spoke to the waves, the waves recognized the voice of the Creator and the waves obeyed. When Jesus saw the multitude was hungry and he needed to multiply loaves and fishes to feed them. The atomic particles in those food substances recognized the voice of the Creator and multiplied as He miraculously multiplied them so He could distribute them to all the people. And when Jesus spoke to the fruitless fig tree, it recognized the voice of the Creator and withered at its roots as He commanded it. When Jesus needed to get to His disciples, who were out at sea being battered by a storm. The water recognized it was the Creator and the atomic particles in the water solidified for Him to walk on the water 
that he had created. Isn't that amazing? People did not know him, but creation knew him and responded to his command. But in John 1.14, we are told, and the word that is Christ in his preexistence form was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's what happened when Jesus was born in that holy moment in that cave. That is the incarnation. The word dwelt is a Greek word which describes a tent or a tabernacle. And it literally means that Jesus' physical body became the tent that God lived in during his earthly life. God literally pitched a tent of flesh, then took upon himself human flesh in the form of Jesus Christ and tabernacled himself among us for 33 temporary years. When Mary, now listen to this, when Mary pushed for her baby, to be born. God himself entered the earthly realm he had created. <laughs> it's almost incomprehensible. But God Almighty reached into the material world that he created and clothed himself in flesh as he grew in the womb of the Virgin Mary and finally was birthed temporarily into the human race. My friends, that is what occurred in that holy moment in that cave. Paul describes this miracle marvelously in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Listen to this. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Well, in the King James Version, the very first part of verse 6 is a little hard to understand. It says, who being in the form of God. But those words, who being, is from a Greek word which describes one who has eternally existed. Though he eternally existed in the form of God. That word form describes an outward form, which means that in Jesus' preexistence, he looked just like God. Again, he was not a component of God. He was not a symbol of God. Jesus is God. That's quite a revelation. Just say that. Jesus is God. My friend, that is who Jesus is. And as the eternal God in his preexistence, he possessed the outward appearance and the glorious presence that is so indicative of God, so great that humans cannot endure it. And to come to earth God made a decision to reclothe himself in a manner that could be tolerated by man. And that's why he took upon himself the form of a servant and made himself of no reputation and was made in the likeness of men. Notice the verse says, made himself of no reputation. The Greek word that is used here is very important because it means to make empty, to evacuate, to vacate, to deprive, to, vivet, to divest, or to relinquish. And it literally means because it was impossible for God to appear to man in all of his glory, God literally temporarily let go of all of his outward attributes, all of his splendorous glory, and reclothed himself for 33 years. And Philippians 2 verse 7 says that reclothing, he took upon himself the form of a servant, took upon him, it's from a Greek word, which means to reach out and to lay hold of and to take upon yourself. And we find that God reached into the material world that he created. That is amazing. Laid hold of flesh, dressed himself in it, 
took upon human flesh and appeared in the form of a servant. The word form is the same Greek word which was used to describe Jesus in his preexistence as being in the form of God. In every way, he was just like God. But now he's taken upon himself the form of a servant, which means he took upon himself in every way the likeness of a human being. And the verse says, the form of a servant. And even this is so very important because it is the Greek word dolos. The word dolos is the Greek word for the lowest level servant, one who is swallowed up to do the will of his master, So we find that God left his eternal realms, came into the earth in human flesh, which he created, clothing himself in it, and became a servant to do what he was sent to do. That is amazing. Jesus was willing to do whatever the Father would require of him, including a sacrificial death on the cross, which is really what Christmas is all about. But then when you come to Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says he was made in the likeness of men. Notice those words, he was made. Those words, was made, describes the miracle of Christmas. When he was made, literally formed in the womb of the Virgin Mary and was made a little baby, he was made a man. That occurred in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, when Mary said to the angel Gabriel, be it unto me, according to thy word. And when she agreed with God, boom, in that moment, she conceived the Son of God in her womb and he was made inside her. These words, was made, indicates this was not Jesus' original form, but it became his new form when God literally took upon himself the likeness of man. Even the word likeness is so very important because in the original language, it refers to a form or even a resemblance. He took upon himself the resemblance of a human being. It doesn't just refer to human outward resemblance, but even human likeness of men, which means when Jesus appeared on the earth, he came in the actual form of a man and was just like man in every way. So when the God, the Father, sent Jesus into the world. Jesus left his heavenly home, took upon himself human flesh. And because of this amazing, great exchange, Jesus has stood in our place. Jesus has felt what we feel. Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities and he intercedes for us with great compassion as our great high priest. And this is why Hebrews 4.15 says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. And friend, it means Jesus understands because he has experienced every emotion and every temptation you and I have ever faced in our life. He has faced it all, yet he never fell into sin. And that is why Hebrews 4.16 says to us, come boldly therefore to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But wait, there's something else you need to understand from Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says, and being found In fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
But notice it says, and being found in fashion as a man. That word fashion is the Greek word schema, which is borrowed from a very ancient, ancient story of a king. And the king every day wanted to walk among his people and experience his people, but he could not because he was the king. He would be mobbed. And every day the king would lean across the railing on his balcony and would look out into the streets of his kingdom and just wish that he could walk among his people and experience his people. And one day the king got an idea. I know what I'll do. During the night when nobody's noticing, I'm going to take off all my kingly garments and I'm going to trade them for the garments of a beggar. I'm going to secretly slip out of my palace into the streets. Nobody will know who I am and I can walk among my people and experience them. That is the word schema, which is translated as the word fashion in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. And this imagery in this verse is very important because it tells us God knew because His presence was so glorious. He couldn't walk among men because it would be too great for their flesh to endure. But because God wanted to be among his people, God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trade my clothes. I'm going to temporarily divest myself of all this outward splendorous glory. I'm going to assume human flesh, show up in the human race as a baby. And that's what he did. And for 33 years, Jesus exchanged his glory for the clothes of a human being and lived among us out of his deep love for you, out of his profound love for me. He was willing to leave the majestic realms of glory and enter the realm of humanity. That's amazing, my friend. That is just amazing. And then when you come to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says this in response to all of that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, which means just like God was willing to be humble, just like God was willing to do whatever he had to do to serve us, to save us, to change us, we need to be willing to lay aside our pride, our arrogance, and be whatever we need to be to reach other people who really need help. We need to be willing to lay it all aside and esteem others better than ourselves. This is what Jesus did for us, and this is what we are commanded to do for others. Wow. But in the next program, which is on Monday, we're going to find out exactly who were the shepherds that the angels appeared to when Jesus was born. Why did the angels appear to this particular group of shepherds when there were so many shepherds in the land of Israel? Why this group of shepherds? It's going to be marvelous. Don't miss it. But hey, I'll be back in just a moment and I am going to pray for you. Do you really know the story of Christmas? Is there more to the story about the birth of our Savior than what you've been told? In this series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick Renner dives deep into the parts of the Christmas story that most people have never heard. Rick says, I've studied this story for decades, and I found fabulous treasures no one ever shared with me. In this series, we explore the Bible, history, historical writings, and so much more, so we can really understand all the events that took place surrounding the birth of Jesus. Rick answers questions like, why did God choose Mary? 
Was Joseph really a carpenter? Why was Herod so troubled by Jesus' birth? Who were the Magi? And what was the estimated value of their gifts? This 15-part documentary-type series is available in digital or physical format, starting at just $24. And we're excited to also offer you Rick's stunning new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you'll want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer, the series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I am standing in the foyer of Rick Renner Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I just wish I could pick you up and bring you here to see all the wonderful ministry that is happening in this facility where we receive thousands and thousands of phone calls from people just like you who reach out to us for prayer and for teaching they can trust. Proverbs 10, 21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. And we know that's our job. Our job is to feed many. And I wanna say thank you to you for everything you've helped us do with your giving. You helped us construct our studio, purchase this building. And now in phase three of our ministry expansion program, we're wanting to pay this facility off so we can liberate all that money to take the teaching of the Bible around the world on additional channels and venues. And by being a part of our giving team, you can really help us make this happen. If you're not already a part of our giving team, please pray about joining us. And together we can join hands and through teaching of the Bible and by ministering to people that reach out to us and by sending teaching products around the world, we can really change people's lives. And it's amazing to me that today it's never been easier to make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. Today, we've been looking at the holy moment that occurred in that cave in Bethlehem when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago when the incarnation took place. Wow, it is so marvelous. But on Monday, we're going to consider who were the shepherds that the angels appeared to and why did the angels appear to that one particular group of shepherds? There were shepherds all over Israel. Was there a reason? that the angels chose this particular group of shepherds? I think you'll be surprised when you hear the answer. But we're offering you today my brand new series called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. It's 15 parts. It comes in multiple formats. The subtitle says Amazing Insights about Christmas that you've never heard before. And it comes with this great study guide so you can read all of this while you're seeing it or hearing it. And today we're also offering you my book, which is called Christmas, the rest of the story. It's a hardback. It is fully illustrated. Every single page is full color to help you step into this story. We hired an illustrator just for you so that you can see on the pages of this book everything that I'm teaching 
in this new series. So please go online or give us a call to order all these things and let us know how to pray for you. But Father, we thank you that you loved us so much. You were willing to temporarily inconvenience yourself to take on human flesh and live among us for 33 years. Wow. Help us to have that same attitude, Lord, that we would lay aside our pride, our arrogance, or anything we need to lay aside so that we can reach out and do something good for somebody else. Let us have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you Monday. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.